Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks, share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Pearl, nice to meet you. My name is Kevin. Nice to meet you, Mr. Kevin. And Pearl, where are you coming in from today? I'm in Paris, brother. Uh, there you go. Bonjour. Never been to Paris, man. Uh, where, what do you like about it? Tell me about it. <laughs> Recruit me. Uh, I think I'm just enjoying like just what I'm doing more than anything. I mean, I, I, I mean, the people are awesome and it's great, but it's just, you know, having this platform and uh the way that it it just gives me the opportunity to empower you know things like um black ambition and you know it's everything black ambition is all about right it's like mm -hmm. what you can do what you can be when you when you when you reach beyond the realm of what's possible and as long as you can see it like if you can conceive it like if you can if you can see it then you can make it manifest. And, you know, here, that's the only work that I do here with, you know, with my team and, um, and, you know, actually all of our teams, right. We work on these things kind of like transcontinentally international mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, um, just thinking about like, you know, the, the implication here is like sort of, it's kind of poetry for, it's kind of like poetry for what we're doing with Black Ambition. It's like we can do and be anything we want to do. We just need the support. We need the resources, you know, um, and we need the tutelage and the guidance. And when you're able to get that, it just takes you to another place and takes your partnerships to another place. And also it just creates a good example. So, I, I love, I love that, Pharrell. And like, it, we it's I love that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, when I, when I was like preparing for the interview, I was like listening to like a couple of your speeches. I think you guys had a couple, couple of keynotes together, and like the way you both describe and talk about black ambition is just beautiful. And one of the questions I kind of had, and I'd love to just go straight into this because I just think we're already getting a nice, nice flow state here. Um, but one of the questions I kind of have, which is a lot with, uh, I guess, a lot of our business owners are dealing with, is who is the visionary? And how do you how do you share a vision? I guess would be my question. So, you know, Pharrell, you're talking about, you know, we're in this, you know, visionary mindset. If you can see it, you can build it, you can manifest it. How do you guys balance uh the the vision of the company? How, like describe your collaborative relationship for me. You know, uh I can say that my position is a, a is a simple one. Um, because it's literally, um, I'm, I don't see myself as a figurehead. I just, I see myself as a part of the DNA that we all share together. And, um, you know, standing for something and, and, and just sticking to it is a hard enough job, but it, it pales in comparison to 
the day in and day out, day to day, night to night, moment to moment um, grip that Felicia has on these details and all of these amazing, amazing people um, that we work with and the people that we encounter and the people that we sort of support and foster. Like, I always, I always look to her because I feel like, first of all, she speaks like, you, 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 you listen to her speak and you feel like you can do anything. Mm. And Black Ambition is lucky to have her, but so are all of these like entrepreneurial minds mm. and new groups and startups. Like to have someone talk to you, you know, when the money is low or like, uh, you know, the market is is wobbling and and uh, and unstable. And so your supporters and sponsors and 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 people who are investing start to get a little shaky. The phone calls feel a little different or uh, some of the advice starts to like slim up a little bit you know, and get a little stoic, you know, doesn't have all the warmth that it did in the very beginning. To have somebody who can, first of all, who has crisis management experience, has been through these things, seen these things many times before, talk you off the ledge and back into the comfortable confines of like, you know, your desk and your easel where you're like painting your dream and you get right back to it. And then, you know, six months later, I get, you know, a message like, hey, you remember such and such? They did such and such and they were doing such and such. Hey, well, they just raised da 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 and they're actually really crushing it. And that, you know, for me, I feel like that's, um, you know, that's that's the plug. Exactly. I've never called her before, but that's what she is. The She's plug. the plug. <laughs> it's, it's a good sign of a good investor, too, to support more than just capital. And, and Felicia, for mm-hmm. you, you know, like it reminds me of this this African proverb. It's like, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, mm-hmm. go with the group, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, Black Ambition. On the website, you credit, I think, 3% of all VC-backed founders are, uh, you know, people of color, which is mm-hmm. incredibly low. And you have already... Like tell me, I guess, tell us a little bit more about your credentials. Tell us a little bit more about mm-hmm. what Black Ambition is trying to do, just for the folks who are uh, getting to know about Black Ambition for the first time. Sure. Um, I I always push back on Pharrell because this, at the end of the day, he was the ultimate visionary creating this, right? And, you know, I think when you t- think about vision, you also think about how expansive vision can be when it's tied to legacy, right? And so I think, uh, you know, of all the amazing things that he has done and has yet to do, uh, the entrepreneurs impacted by um, his vision will be a part of his greatest legacy because, you know, those are the ripple effects. We have, we'll have a hundred entrepreneurs that we've invested in up into this point at the three year mark. A lot of organizations that do similar work have only dreamed to be able to impact as many entrepreneurs as as fast as we can. Um, and we understand the premise that not only are we trying to work, close the wealth gap, but wealth has a need for speed. Um, and a lot of people have gotten really, un- really comfortable wasting the time of Black and Hispanic entrepreneurs. Um, and we know that time is just infinitely more valuable than money. And so once they waste that money, waste that time, they cannot get it back. And so with Black Ambition, we do a few things. One, we're 
getting them the resources faster. We're getting them the money faster uh, so that they can go, can go out into the marketplace, make decisions, hire people faster and have a faster impact into their communities and then also build really good companies. And I think of all the success that the, the founders have had, you know, we'll reach the point where we've invested um, just about $10 million into these companies this year. They've gone on to raise over $92 million in the past three years with all the entrepreneurs um, that we interface with. And that's no small feat when you look at the number of less than 3% of those companies actually receiving an, an investment. And so, um, you know, what, what keeps me up at night is if this initiative was never founded and didn't exist. And these brilliant companies would not have been able to have the impact that they've had if it wasn't for Black ambition and kind of the ripple and, and networking network effect. And then there's just so many people that stand in the way of this greatness being able to happen, which is the problem that we're fighting every single day. And so, you know, that's us at Black ambition. There's really kind of six C's in which we do our work or center our work. And so capital is one of those. Community is another. Content. Um, care because we take a holistic approach to supporting those entrepreneurs. They're just not, it's not transactional. We're really invested in the whole human as an entrepreneur. And so there's, um, you know, there's therapy support, there's wellness support that is interfaced with the capital, the connection, the content, uh, the creative and the culture that's a part of what we're building at Black Ambition. I love that. And I, first of all, I just love the name Black Ambition too. I feel like that's mm -hmm. kind of like the common thread between entrepreneurs they just kind of have too much damn ambition <laughs> you know they can't contain it um but just out of curiosity like to you felicia you know what are those those core pain points that i mm. guess in your experience you've you've found or maybe experienced yourself i mean you mentioned capital sources right money to grow so you're providing an accelerator program right access mm -hmm. to these things but like when it comes down, boils down to like, what are those top maybe three key things that every mm -hmm. entrepreneur needs to start yeah. the business? Um, I mean, I kind of said, so like the, the C's in which we center our work are the things that we've deemed most important, right? And so the capital, absolutely, um, especially as it relates to Black and Hispanic entrepreneurs. Um, everyone wants to give them everything else but the capital that they need in order to grow and scale their business at a rapid enough pace where it actually provides returns, right? Um, and then it's community. And so not just the community in which they live in and making those places better, but it's like the high net worth and the proximity to power type of community that when people pick up the phone, things happen really fast. Um, there's an absence and a void of that because of trust for Black and Hispanic entrepreneurs. And so that's needed at the highest level. Um, and then I would say the last part, and there's a, there's a long list of things that entrepreneurs need, but the care part um, and investing in like the mental health and wellness of all entrepreneurs, especially because entrepreneurs are crazy. Like to go out and do this thing against all odds, you are batshit crazy. There's no other way to say it. But in that craziness, innovation, creativity, um, opportunities happen. You know what I mean? And so when we're, but then when we're talking about Black and Hispanic entrepreneurs, their lived experiences, what they go through, the trauma that they have to jump over the predatory things that have happened from a financial standpoint, we got to heal toxic relationships to money. Um, we have to heal trauma that happens in those communities. And so that they can actually be an active participant and a financial beneficiary of the tech innovation uh, startup community. 
And so it just requires a different level of support for those entrepreneurs that again, prioritizes them being humans first and then entrepreneurs second. I love that. Yeah. Caring about more than just the business aspects, the the bottom line, more about the holistic mm-hmm. individual. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Pharrell, I just, you know, I'm going to kind of ask my questions more visionary integrator. Yeah, those yeah, are kind yeah. of what makes a, a, a great uh, business for, for the visionary Pharrell over here. You know, when, when you think about, you know, where this is going, I mean, over a hundred entrepreneurs supported now, like, what does that, what does that look like to you? What does that look like to you in the future? Well, let's talk about what it looks like now. Um, it looks so promising. Uh, and you see the support that we're getting and the kind of partnerships that we're forming and the people that are getting involved, the really creative uh, black and brown ideas that are coming in. Um, it's really inspiring and you know, you sort of got to like pinch yourself because she's like, man, this is like really happening. Yeah. Like these people are real, you know? And uh, and so was our dream, right? The dream is coming true. This is our dream yeah. and it's happening. And then to go to what you actually asked me, which was what does it look like in the future? Um, it looks like, there's black ambition chapters or offices like, you know, all over the world. And our job is to do that same thing because the, the, the black and brown diaspora isn't just in America. You know, if you think about what's down in South America and you think about the history of like how our DNA got there and the options that they were given. It's pretty much the same thing. The narrative is the same thing. And that's just South America, hmm. right? Um, it is, It is. Black ambition is um, it's for the globe. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to say this all the time, you know, people like us, it's like we go through so much. Our DNA goes through so much. It's so crazy that like, mel- just because your DNA is melanated, all of a sudden you instantly have all these purposeful disadvantages historically you know built all of this like really bad misleading and a lot of times outright lies and narratives and plots being indoctrinated in your brain all of which just to make you feel subservient and feel like there's nothing you can do but work for somebody else and that's okay because some people do that and it's amazing and we need some of us to do that but not all of us. And, you know, we need to know whether we work for somebody or somebody work for us or we work together. We need to know from the moment we open our eyes when we're born and we're first given breath, we need to know that when you look up in the sky at night, the sky is black, space is black. And that doesn't make us better, but we sure shouldn't be walking around here feeling inferior to anyone or anything or any kind of concept or anything when the universe looks like you, right? So no matter what position we play in this world, we need to know that we can be anything. And that is the ultimate black ambition. Yeah. Well said, yeah. And, and you know what comes to my mind, I guess a question I'd love to, to ask you is kind of on what the backs of what Felicia was saying about 
Um, you know, no one built this alone and it kind of takes a community to kind of, you know, grow, grow together. And one of the things I've been thinking about really uh, recently is um, someone told me, you know, you can't create from a void. You can't create from a void. It ha like, you have to be inspired by something you see, like there are really no original ideas at the end of the day. And so for a visionary like, like you, Pharrell, just out of curiosity, whether it's in the studio or just where you are now in Paris, like a lot of people go to a cabin to isolate and create, like, where do you like to go to get into a nice creative flow state? Water, near water or in water, mm. running water, you know, standing in front of a bay or dock or the ocean, listening to water. Water just does it for me. Being in a hot tub for an hour after a workout, write, ideate, solve problems, deal with conundrums, all those things. Showers. It's always water for me. That's interesting. And, and Felicia, for you, you mentioned kind of uh, this support and this idea of the holistic leader. You know, of course, when you when you see other black entrepreneurs as, uh, let's say, a, a young black female growing up, like that does something to you. You get inspired. You can see yourself in that role in those shoes. Is there a leader that comes to mind or a place uh, that comes to mind that's really inspired you? Ooh. I mean, I'm in the same vein of of, of Pharrell because I'm a Pisces. So anything by the water <laughs> is always going to be inspiring to me. Um, Respect. I, I, I feel like in my life, I didn't have to go far. I'm the granddaughter of a Jamaican sugarcane farmer. Um, and I saw my grandfather, which, you know, farmers are entrepreneurs. And that was probably like the first representation of what an entrepreneur was for me and what was possible. Um, and how we can take agency of our own lives and, and be able to make money even in the country part of Jamaica where there's not a lot of possibilities and op opportunities. And then I saw the same thing with my dad who was from South Georgia, left home when he was 15 years old and charted his own way and now runs a successful construction company. And so um, I'm the beneficiary of their hard work and their sacrifices and I owe them a return on their sacrifices. And so if anything, that keeps me motivated every single day. And I think most of our entrepreneurs have very similar stories and sometimes even very tragic stories that um, force them into entrepreneurship or pull them into entrepreneurship, but then they just know that they owe everybody that came before them a massive return. So, you know, I think we can always look to the greats as inspiration, but oftentimes it's just trying to make the pathway much better or easier for, for people that have come, um, that will come after us. Um, and we know that entrepreneurship has historically been that way in our communities when we couldn't get jobs and there was a lot of bias in, in employment. We were starting side hustles in our communities in order to thrive. And I just, I see that on a whole other level with the entrepreneurs that we have in our program. That's interesting. You know, I picked up on something there. Um, a lot of the, the entrepreneurs I'll interview, their core motivations have something to do with childhood actually it's mm -hmm. and it just stays with you for some reason like yeah, yeah. Is, could you could you lean into that a little bit more felicia in terms of your co core motivation whether it's with a family like what when it comes down to like what do you think actually like really drives you um i mean it's 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 everybody who's came before me all my parents like it's everything right okay. um but then i think it's also my dad always says to me too much is given much is required 
And knowing that and holding on to that, we all have a very big responsibility with any and everything that we have, whether it's big or small, uh, to build communities, right? You think, and that's not foreign to Black communities historically, because we've had not only Black Wall Streets in Tulsa, we've had Black Wall Streets all across the United States and ultimately all across the globe. Um, what has happened and what is unfortunate is those things constantly are bombed and burned down to the ground and we have to constantly rebuild. And so I think for us, it's like, you know, we always talk about being able to build pathways to, to entrepreneurship and through entrepreneurship that is uninterrupted by all of that uh, moving forward, right? I mm -hmm. think that's what is the light that is like, well, the fire that's under both of us right now is like, how do we make the playing, playing field smoother, easier, less friction, uh, but then also, how do we make sure that our communities survive enough to be able to afford the fruits of our labor as a result of all the hard work and everyone investing in entrepreneurship and, and, and choosing that as, as a profession and as a way for financial liberation? Like, those are the things, and there's a lot of things that kind of um, lead in that direction. Interesting. And, and Pharrell, maybe a, a, a simple but maybe not easy question for you. Uh, Felicia's talking about building community to you, like in your experience what actually builds community? Uh, I mean, well, first of all, people, good people, the right people. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've heard that, you know, that um, you've heard that phrase, you know, takes a village. Mm -hmm. You just need the right people. You need the right energy. And that energy is curiosity, it's ambition, and it is the desire to want to see the person next to you do well. Uh, and and it is a devotion and a diligence with um, reciprocation. Yeah, like that. And Felicia, like, how do you go about finding those those individuals who want to contribute to the community more than gain? Like, do you have a qualification, a process uh, in your experience? What's been really driving mm -hmm. that sense of community for all to talk about? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, because, I mean, one, we've built a, a pretty massive community of entrepreneurs with black ambition between our semifinals, our finals, our applicants. We get over 2000 applicants a year for for the prize. Um, and then we have a really great group of, of mentors and, I, and judges for different aspects of, of the competition and then the support of the program. I would say one thing that we look at um, as a qualifier, disqualifier is mentors that aren't just telling the entrepreneurs, you've done a good job, fix this, fix that, but would actually leverage their relationships, leverage um, their reputations, their networks in order to actually make real introductions for our entrepreneurs is one of the things that is very, we're, we're very intentional about telling people, this isn't the program that needs your advice. These entrepreneurs need your introductions. And so um, I would say that's one thing in which we're really intentional about the community. Like we need people that are going to pick up the phone and bet their reputation on the entrepreneurs especially when they have the contacts, right? Like if you have a mentor in a program who has the contact to target a buyer at Target in their phone and just meet with entrepreneurs every single week and tell them they do good, you know, 
fix this, scale this, fix this in your presentation, but you never pick up the phone to call the buyer of Target and you know that that's what the entrepreneur need. We don't need you in our program. And so like that is one of the things that I would say we're really diligent about in our selection process of mentors and judges and advisors for the entrepreneurs. If they're not going to leverage their relationships, then this isn't the program that that needs them. Interesting. And, and just for the record, like, tell me a little bit more about the 2023 finalists. Tell me a little bit more about the, the Black Ambition Prize uh, for those who are, again, learning about sure. uh, your organization for the first time. Yeah. So we... Uh, we invest anywhere from 25K to $1 million in uh, about 30 to 35 companies every single year. Uh, we have a cohort-style mentorship program that supports about 250 entrepreneurs a year. And then we kind of take that through a selection process and invest in about 35 of those companies. And then from there, they get year-round support from us with um, connections to family offices, investors, retail partners helping them get on stores, find strategic partnerships, relationships, and, and mentors. And then um, exposure from a media standpoint, as well as helping to raise their social capital so that they can go on and raise additional funding. Uh, Black Ambition, I think, in the marketplace and kind of the ecosystem is looked at as really kind of serving a, a massive friends and family round for entrepreneurs that oftentimes their friends and family can only give them a round of applause and not a round of funding. And so we serve that very unique space for, for those entrepreneurs to then go on and raise additional capital or be able to get into um, storefronts. And so then we invest in five areas. And so tech, healthcare, consumer goods, media, entertainment, and then Web3 are, are the areas in which we, we invest in. Incredible. Wow. 250 in the cohort, 35 each time. It's mm -hmm. a lot of money going into a lot of people's hands. Congratulations. A lot of money. On, yeah. on the growth. A lot of good partners help us yeah. get there. So hell yeah. No, good for you guys. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, another question just for our publication, if you guys are aware, you know, we we tend to highlight the impact organizations, which are to us companies that are, you know, doing well by doing good at right. As you grow, you mm -hmm. solve more more problems. Pharrell, a question for you, maybe a a broader question um when it comes to like how business can be used in the future of business like when you think about the purpose of a business the purpose of an organization what resonates with you what comes to mind when i think about the purpose of a business or a purpose of an organization what do i think about um i'm not sure if i really understand the question, but let me attempt, let me see if what I'm about to say uh, is, you know, is germane to what you're going for. But I, I would just say, like, I think the purpose of an organization and a business should be based on, like, its necessity to exist. Um, You know, it should exist because we need it and we don't have it. And if we have it, this is, and if we already have it, it's because this is a superior version and this is going to change the game. Other than that, it's just fodder, right? And we don't need, we don't need another, uh, we don't need another, like, um, I won't even say something that's subpar. I would just say, we just don't need another edition of the same, right? You know, we need something that is going to level us up. Right. That's we, what uh, that's what technology is all about. That's what technology is all about. And that is what 
yeah, that's what technological prowess is really all about. But I think even beyond like technology, like that is the purpose of humans is to continue mm -hmm. to evolve wow. in all directions of the mental space uh, exponentially, just like the universe, right? The universe expands in all directions at, at various speeds. And I think that's what we're meant to do whether it is you know our athletic prowess or our in our intellectual prowess it should just continue to go in all directions uh as fast as like our will will take us it, it certainly makes sense to me I mean, that's the space we're in right we're in the impact space and we don't, we don't need another cookie company we don't need another accelerator program that's not intentional about its investments Right. And you know, just fully shed a curiosity, like, have you been exposed to any entrepreneurs or rather maybe social entrepreneurs who are very intentional about, about expanding into a space that serves, let's say, an underserved market? Uh, that I mean, that seems just looking at a few of the companies in your portfolio, that seems to be a, uh, maybe a common thread. But tell me a little yeah. bit more about maybe some of the impact investments. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look across uh, really like our portfolio of entrepreneurs that we've invested in, they're all for-profit companies, but they really have kind of the heart and soul of social impact entrepreneurs. Like they're all um, building something much bigger than themselves with some sort of direct impact back to their communities. It's kind of like an unstated thing that we look for in our, in our selection process. I would say probably Community X is one of the companies that immediately comes top of mind because they've mm -hmm. built a platform that allows like, uh, you know, causes to be able to quickly uh, stand up petitions and donations um, for like really big moments that require a lot of capital and advocacy to happen. And they were our 2022 Black Ambition Prize winners. Um, and then we have quite a few other companies that are solving some big problems, whether it's in the reproductive health space for women, feminine hygiene products. We have our 2021 Black Ambition Prize winner, which was Logistics, uh, who is the construction like software management company, but that they're also in the green tech space. And so we're seeing these companies have um, not just solving and getting into like high growth areas, but then also monetizing in the community impact with with a with an impact back into the community as well. Right. It seems like that's really a common thread between all of you really making a difference with the work that you do. Uh for all I know you got to jump out here in a in a little bit, but one last question for you. Uh unless you want to stick around uh with with the great Felicia here. Um question for you. Uh Felicia talks a lot about a genius zone. Okay. To me that's really like when I'm in that maybe flow state, but I'm also like in in the role I need to be in. Uh, when it comes to you in terms of a genius zone, Pharrell, what is what is that for you? What does that look like? I don't know about the word genius, but uh, you know, being in that uh, flow state, uh, what we refer to in NLP as mm -hmm. uh, uh, swoosh pattern, um, being like in the zone is when you are all, it feels like you're not having to ponder and think. It's like where things just like come naturally. It's almost like you are thinking with your second nature, second nature. It's like when you're like, you know, sometimes people drive and, you know, they'll be on the phone and then they'll get home. Like, Man, I don't even remember like, 
you know, how I got home, you know, but they managed to stop at the stoplight when they needed to, and they managed to put on the blinkers and they managed to get over in the lane when someone swerved or whatever, whatever, and not even think about it because they're in the middle of their phone conversation. It's because their second nature has kicked in. But while you are ideating and while you're thinking about something that you want to do, you can also go into that second nature space where your brain just takes you on a journey on all you're doing is being a stenographer and like writing these things down um and everything just seems seemingly just sort of falls right into place um and when you look back at it you go well and you almost feel like you're not responsible for what you've done because your ego wasn't in it your ego wasn't mm, yeah that but not that or maybe this maybe not that no it just flows uh hence being in the flow or in that space that zone of not thinking and just purely ideating i love that that's, yeah, like it. that's how i see uh, and, and felicia i appreciate you staying on and mm -hmm. um just want to kind of go into uh, you know a few more questions for you um you know this is not easy right and so just you know building a community is incredibly difficult um, when it comes to like what we kind of say here, like stickiness, mm -hmm. what keeps people in to the community? Like, what is that for Black ambition, would you say? Yeah, I think um, there's quite a few things, right? And so I think one, there's an environment of sharing that um, doesn't feel competitive, right? It feels very complimentary or there's like a level of kind of creative collaboration or creative competitiveness that happens within the community that we've built that um, has been definitely nurtured over time, but I think is something that's very rare. Oftentimes when people describe community as it relates to diverse communities, right? And so I would say that stickiness really kind of comes from that, building a sense of trust in the business community, because a lot of people just do not trust themselves, trust each other, right? With resources, with connections, with like Pharrell said, like people being the plug and actually putting you on for opportunities and not sabotaging or standing in the way. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, we have an invoke program with therapists that are on staff that create those safe environments that allow the sharing and the free flowing of information to, to happen. Um, I know sometimes I talk about it and just feels like there's a sense of ease in which that happens, but that's intentional and um, with a lot of resources to create those kind of spaces where people feel open to sharing resources with, with others, especially when a lot of them are in the exact same industry. So it's it's very common to kind of hold things close to the chest. That's interesting. Yeah. And I, I like your concept of uh, of trust. I think, mm -hmm. you know, the, the speed of change goes at the rate of trust, right? Mm -hmm. Or rather vice versa. Um, you know, I, I guess a, a question, a follow-up question, uh, you know, for you would really be on, you know, the, um, I guess, um, yeah, the, the challenges of, of keeping that, that consistency among your community. I mean, a lot of the connections, I guess, we're finding are still personal, right? You can have as much digital marketing as you want, but at the end of the day, it's still a business community. It still needs to be verbal. What have been some of the challenges maybe of, of building that trust and that growth? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of challenges when you're building uh, a program that also spans quite, quite 
broad in who we serve, right? And so not just early entrepreneurs that are a little bit more seasoned, but then we also fund and support HBCU students um, that, you know, Pharrell always talks about how he feels H and I feel as well, like HBCUs are some of the most fertile but untapped ground for, for talent. Um, but that also comes with a level of um, additional support that's needed sometimes because they are very young entrepreneurs that haven't, you know, done significant time in corporate and then decided to leave corporate America and like launch a startup, which is what we see oftentimes with our early, um, our early stage startups. And, and so like there's, there's challenges in navigating that, um, making sure that they have like the soft skills, uh, support and training that they need, um, additional mentorship and programmatic support so that they can be um, really kind of globally competitive what they build what, what they're building but then also be very good stewards of the relationships that often come from Pharrell um, specifically to the entrepreneurs that are in the Black Ambition program and so you know in the business world everything is a relationship game whether you like it or not um, and being able to be good stewards of those relationships especially when you're building a program at scale in which we are um, is something that we try and take a lot of care um, and then really try and instill that in the entrepreneurs that that we're introducing to really kind of lifelong relationships that he's cultivated over the years and that we've cultivated as an organization. And so relationship ma management for sure. Um, and then I would say the other part of that is, is you know, funding for the organization. And so I think a lot of organizations that made very big commitments in 2020 um, have moved them, have kind of walked them back in a moment where we need additional capital, right? Um, funding for Black entrepreneurs and startup founders specifically is down 45% in the last year. Um, in a time where the economic climate is a little shaky, those entrepreneurs need capital more. And so having really great, strong institutional partners that have been with Black Ambition for the begin for, for, from the beginning, but then also just kind of having to navigate that day-to-day -day to make sure that we're building a sustainable organization that can continue to fund those entrepreneurs at the level in which we on which they need and which we've deemed to be catalytic for those entrepreneurs is is definitely a challenge that we navigate every single day. Interesting. Yeah. If I'm hearing you right, it seems like like a lot of your time, if you had a pie chart, is really focus on building those relationships, mm -hmm. but also, you know, raising the capital, seeking that funding, yeah. support the entrepreneurs, which I guess kind of go hand in hand. Uh, you know, we're a leadership publication, Felicia, just out of curiosity, mm -hmm. like what are some of the values or traits you look for? in those entrepreneurs when it comes to leadership? Like, do, does that come in the question yeah. during the, the investment? Oh, absolutely, right? And so we look at, uh, you know, their risk tolerance. We definitely look at how they're able to navigate crisis and, and change. Um, we look at their ability to lead as a whole, right? So what makes them a great leader that not only will allow them to build teams, but then will allow them to leverage Black Ambition's initial investment to bring on additional investors. Uh, so we're looking, we also look at a, a level of resource magnetism. You know, do they do they have it? Can can, can they uh, attract the resources, the people, uh, the buy-in that they need in order to continue to build a, a thriving startup in, in their communities are, are some of the things that that we definitely look at within within our organization when we're getting ready to invest. And then the usual stuff, right? And so product market fit. Um, you know, the market potential as, as, as a whole with, within those organizations, the viability of, of them being able to, to scale, and then again, them being very good stewards of the resources 
Um, and then ultimately what we've been building with Black Ambition, um, with, with Pharrell's vision is really kind of like a rocket ship for these entrepreneurs. And not every entrepreneur is ready to move and scale as fast as they think they are. And so we're also looking at some characteristics that represent that they can really kind of get on the rocket ship that all entrepreneurs hope for, um, and then really be able to take it, do something with it, um, and then ultimately be massive contributors back into the Black Ambition community are some of the things that we look for. I love that. And I've heard you reference Black Ambition as a rocket ship for, and mm -hmm. and and like the the analogy, of course, for any launch, any startup. Mm -hmm. um, question for you, and and this is maybe easier to to answer from an objective lens when mm -hmm. you're giving advice as opposed to ourselves. But like, what do you recognize in these, especially these early stage entrepreneurs that they run into? Like, what are some of the mm -hmm. common things they have? Is it a founder syndrome? Is it a bottleneck? Like, what are those things that yeah. uh, if you had to say there there are three of them, what would you say? Ooh, all all of the above, Kevin. <laughs> so. <laughs> They run into literally any and everything under under the sun because we're we're a national program, so we're sourcing entrepreneurs from all over the U.S. Right? Some cities and states and markets have better resources to support entrepreneurs than others. Um, some, once they get the funding, the ecosystem that they live in doesn't necessarily have the support structure or infrastructure to support them in the way that they need from a community standpoint, from a capital mentorship standpoint, or even just the market viability of what they've built in the existing city in which they, they live in. And so we literally kind of see any and every problem under the sun as a challenge for many of the entrepreneurs that we interface with, either the ones that we invest in and or the ones that go through our, our mentorship program. But um, you know, capital is always going to be the thing that continues to come up in a, in a number of ways. And so not just venture capital, but like we have entrepreneurs that have raised or are struggling to raise in like, you know, um, federal dollars, right? Um, whether that's SBIR grants, um, you know, um, different kind of government funding uh, as well. Like we see that we see institutional capital funding from, from banks being a challenge for some of the entrepreneurs as, as well, even when they have every single thing that the financial institution needs, they're still having trouble navigating those experiences. Um, you know, corporate vendor processing that doesn't necessarily play that well in the startup space as it much as it does in the traditional small business space. Like we see entrepreneurs having challenges with with that across the board as well. And so, I, I mean, as an entrepreneur, it's your job to face the challenges head on. But these are things that I think traditionally don't stand in the way of other entrepreneurs that don't fit the profile of the entrepreneurs that we specifically uh, invest in and, and, and support. And we would love to be able to move those challenges out of their way as much as possible. Uh, interesting. And and you, just to pick up on what you're saying, um, has the increase in the federal funds rate like really impacted the amount of investments coming into this community? I mean, have you seen a, a shift in, I guess, or maybe a pull away from uh, institutional investors to you know support uh, your work? Yeah, I mean, I think even recently you've seen news come out that like the SBA has halted um, any like funding or contracting moving forward. That's a that plays a massive impact on a lot of our a lot of our companies and a lot of the companies in our network. And so I think you're seeing a number of ways in which all of this is impacting those entrepreneurs specifically that we're looking for those as avenues to maybe not necessarily have to take um, give up equity in the venture space. They were looking at government. 
which is the largest contractor in the United States to be able to play that role. We have some companies that have um, military contracts, some con companies that have SBR, sure. SBIR grants, and then quite a few that were depending on SBA funding. Um, we have a company right now in our semifinalist portfolio that has contracts with the Department of Justice. And so like hearing that these things are halting is, is very frightening to them because they've been doing everything right to move forward. And then these, these external factors that have now become factors for everyday entrepreneurs are, are, um, are, are extremely scary about the trajectory of where these businesses can go or should be able to go if these things weren't barriers. Interesting. So in, in all of that, what's your outlook for the rest of 2024? I mean, this is when the magazine will be published. Yeah. What's the outlook right now uh, for 2024? Yeah, I mean, I, I remain really hopeful, right? And so we will be, you know, working towards the fourth cohort of the Black Ambition Prize. We have some really great partners that support those entrepreneurs. I think oftentimes when some of the barriers that you and I have been talking about stand in the way, um, they've stood up, you know, additional prizes. They've done follow-on funding for those entrepreneurs. And so that that helps me remain extremely hopeful my hope is that more corporations continue to double down on their investment and their vendorization processes and support and contracting support of Black and Hispanic and HBCU entrepreneurs. And so, you know, the dream that Pharrell has of being able to expand what we're doing, not just across the United States, but globally, which is something that we're working on for 2024 into Paris, into Ghana, um, as well as into, into Rio with the Black Ambition Prize, those things are actualized. And then there's a multiplier effect on people looking at the model in which we created to support these entrepreneurs and being able to duplicate that so that not only are we leveling the playing field, but like Black and Hispanic companies can be globally competitive and ultimately um, massive financial contributors back into our communities. Well, you're certainly going big. Uh, there's yeah. no doubt about it. Go big or go home, right? Exactly. Straight <laughs> up. Uh, uh, and in all of this, let's bring this home, Felicia. Mm -hmm. What is your definition? of a real leader? Ooh, Ooh that's a good one. Um, a real leader is transparent. Um, a real leader has a level of vision that scares most people, but they see it clearer than anyone else and ultimately can lead the charge. And a real leader is not only um, you know, focus on the bottom line, but focus on the triple bottom line where they're just prioritizing the impact that they want to leave more than anything. And I think something that we talk about with, with Black Ambition and the question that we ask all our entrepreneurs is, you know, based off of the work that you're doing today, how will the world change 50 years from now? And I think real leaders are looking at the impact that the work that they're doing today will have 50 to 100 years from now and painting that picture um, and kind of clearing that path to make it better for entrepreneurs and communities moving forward. I love that for Felicia Hatcher. I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, have a long-term vision, and always keep it right. Thanks, Felicia. Thank you, Kevin. Have a great afternoon. Hey, Releaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. 
If you go online to Realtors.com today, you're gonna get the first 30 days for free where you're gonna be able to access all of our magazines, courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.